Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. How are you? So today, I just thought we would have a really fun conversation about something homesteady because you know, this is a homesteading podcast, but it's also like behind the scenes of the homestead. So I don't just talk about gardening and animals and all those things. I talk about marriage and raising our babies and, you know, the craziness of life, right? But sometimes I just, you know, have it on my heart and my mind. I'd like to share something with you, my thoughts on a particular homesteading topic. And today we are going to talk about something that is near and dear to my heart, and that is having your own dairy animal. My name is Tina, and I'm the creator of the podcast and YouTube channel, Blessed and Beautiful Homestead. I love to share from scratch recipes, homeschool life inspiration, and all things life with you. This podcast show is a space where we get down and dirty, raw and unfiltered about motherhood, marriage, our culture, and our spiritual pursuit as believers. It's a behind-the-scenes look into our homestead life and my deepest thoughts and convictions as I navigate being a mom and a wife alongside you. I'm so glad you're here, and my hope is that I can be a blessing to you. So I thought I would start out by telling you guys, uh, I guess kind of, you know, where my desire for having my own dairy animal came from. Some people, you know, have their own dairy animal on their homestead and they never grew up like that. They didn't even grow up on a farm. They didn't have anything like that, but it's something that they're passionate about and, and they do and they love. But for me, Uh, I think that it actually started when I was a child. So you guys may have heard me talk about in previous podcasts how I grew up. My mom raised me and my older sister and my two younger brothers on her own. And I don't really know where it came from, but my mom is just an old soul. She was very old-fashioned and she liked to do things from scratch. So as hard as life was, right, with her raising us kids on her own, and doing all the things without the help of our fathers, she had an old soul and she liked to garden and can and preserve. And I remember watching my mom as a young girl. Um, I remember watching her in the kitchen canning pickles from the garden, dehydrating beef jerky, um, doing all the things. We always had a big garden and you know it was inevitable we would plant way too much squash every year. And my mom would have my brothers and I go down to the corner of our neighborhood and sell squash on the street corner. And I was always like, why do we plant so much squash? It's more than we can eat. But she was always baking bread and homemade zucchini bread and all these, you know, uh, jalapeno cheese bread. I just remember she was always in the kitchen, always gardening. And maybe that's where, you know, this flame inside of me was ignited as far as homesteading. We always had chickens everywhere we lived, and you guys have heard me tell the funny stories about my mom having chickens in the city, right? (laughs) So as far as a dairy animal, my younger brother was actually allergic to dairy products. Um, So my mom, being the uh, creative spirit that she was, she did not turn to soy or other things like that, she thought, well, if he's allergic to cow's milk, then I'll just go buy a goat. So that's what she did. She bought a Nubian goat, those beautiful goats with the floppy ears, and we named her Penny. And my stepdad came one day and he built a milk stanchion for her. 
Y'all, all it took was my mom sending me outside one time teaching me how to milk that goat and I was in heaven. My mom didn't really have much to do with milking the goat. It was actually mine and my brother's responsibility. So every day we would call Penny out to the milk stand and put some grain in her bowl and she would hop up in the milk stand. We'd lock her little head in and my brothers and I would milk her and uh, I would take the milk in. My mom would process it, filter it and you know that's what we drank. Um, for me personally, I don't remember really caring for the taste of goat milk. Now, you guys know as you grow, your taste buds change and things that we once hated as children, like Brussels sprouts. That was something I loathed when I was a child, and my mom always made me eat them. I hated them, but now as an adult, I will eat me some Brussels sprouts, y'all. Sauteed in some olive oil with some onions, maybe some sliced bacon, or just roasted in the oven with salt and pepper and some Parmesan cheese. So good, right? Um, I think that it's all about how you cook the Brussels sprouts, though. My mom used to boil them in a pot of water, and that was it. They were like little boiled cabbages, and I hated them. And I'm like, you got to spice them up a little bit, right? Make them fun, and then maybe I'll eat some Brussels sprouts. So I just remember as a kid not really liking the taste of goat's milk because, to me, it had a little bit of that earthy aftertaste, Uh I don't know if I'd even call it grassy. It just had a little bite to it, a little aftertaste that I I remembered, and it was different than cow's milk, the flavor, and I didn't care for it too much. But my mom still made us drink it. That that was our dairy when we were kids uh, for a long time was our goat milk that we had from Penny. So when I got older, um, I... You know, you guys know our story. We were military move, moving around a lot. And so we didn't start homesteading until about six or seven years ago when we got to Virginia. And I knew that I wanted um, a dairy animal. I just didn't know which kind of dairy animal I wanted because I didn't want to get a goat. I, I thought, you know, I probably won't like the goat's milk because I didn't like it when I was a kid. And really, that's kind of a silly thought. Um, because I very well may like goat's milk now. Um, I just don't know because I haven't had it since I was a kid. So that, you know, my taste buds may have changed and the goat milk may be absolutely delicious to me now. Um, but for me, I decided to get a cow. And it's really funny how things go in mine and Joe's marriage, you guys, because I'm the dreamer, I have the dream, I have the vision, and then Joe kind of makes the dream happen, right? Um, and in conjunction, we do that, like our big garden hoop house and greenhouses, like I have the vision and I want it and Joe designs it and then we build it. Um, as far as the cow, y'all, I, I look back and I just have to laugh because I thought, well, I've milked a goat, surely it can't be much different, right? <laughs> having cows and having a goat. And so I just did it. We bought our 18 acre farm here in Virginia and we were in the process of building our farmhouse. We were actually living in our RV on the property for five months while the farmhouse was being built. We built this farm up from nothing to the farm that it was. It was literally a blank piece of land with no buildings or structures on it, completely wooded. And Joe and I had to clear about, we cleared about three to three and a half acres to build our little homestead and our farmhouse on. Cleared it by hand with a riding mower, a chainsaw, a shovel, and a machete. 
Joe got a hernia out of it and I got a tailbone injury from so many hours of bouncing on the riding mower. I'm not kidding you guys. I actually had to go to the doctor, um, had a tailbone injury for like seven, eight months that just lingered from the constant pounding. Uh, we didn't have very good shocks on the seat apparently on that, that riding mower, but we cleared about three, three and a half acres for the farmhouse. And on the outskirts of that three, I'll just call it three acres, we built our big, huge chicken coop. We built um, pasture fencing and different paddocks that we could rotate the animals through. We built a, uh, you know, cow shelter slash, I wouldn't really call them barns. They weren't barns. They were just shelters for the animals to get out of the weather. But they were super cute the way Joe did it. He actually bought fence panels from Lowe's. You know how you can get like the sections of fencing that are already put together with the wood slats. We built like three-sided um, shelters with those and then put a uh, metal, or, yeah, I think it was metal, metal roofing on there. And then I got a bunch of like antique windows off of Craigslist or something and each shelter had like one or two windows in it, just super cute. But it just gave the animals, um, we, we had cows and we eventually got pigs and sheep later on. So it gave all the animals somewhere to get out of the weather. But we also eventually built a milk barn and a milking stanchion for our cow. But the funny thing is, I kind of always do things backwards. So I wanted the cow and I wanted the cow now. Like we didn't even have a house of our own to live in. We were living in a 32 foot or 33 foot RV. I surely didn't have any of the shelters built yet or the milking barn. And I went on Craigslist and I found this cow that was for sale and I want to say she was for sale for $1,500. Is that right? Yeah, I think it was $1,500. So she was a Jersey cow and I had done my research and you know, with the different kinds of cows and milk production and what's the best cow to have for milk. And I will say that there are a lot of cows that are great for milk. Um, my brother, he actually was raising Dexter cows and he would milk his Dexter and the milk was delicious and it worked out great for him. For me personally, I chose the Jersey breed and I chose the Jersey breed because Jerseys are known for a heavy cream line. They give a lot of cream in their milk and cream is what you sift off and use to make your butter, you know, all the things, cream cheese, sour cream, right? So I knew I wanted to make all those things for my kitchen and so I decided to go with the Jersey. Now the thing is, um, I have learned so much now looking back that I didn't know before, obviously, right? All I had ever had was a goat when I was like 10 or 11 years old. And I'm like, there's a cow, a Jersey cow, for sale on Craigslist that is already in milk and happened to be pregnant with her calf. And I thought, man, that's a twofer, that's perfect. So we met up with this farmer and uh, he introduced me to her. Her name was Princess, right? And we renamed her and named her Gracie Ann. And I called her Gracie for short, but it's funny. I tease now and I say, I know why the farmer was selling her. Princess was quite the character. She was a pissy cow. She was a kicky cow. And he had three or four other cows that he milked every day. He had a cow share program um, where he, you know, shared milk with other people. And he just didn't have time for a kicky. 
uh, pissy cow in the mornings and he got tired of her kicking over the milk bucket and being how she was. Well, I thought, oh, that's no big deal. I'm like, she just needs some love. You know, she just needs somebody to spend some time with her and train her up right. So I bought that cow, y'all. I bought her, brought her home, and we had pasture fencing. So she was contained in her pasture. The first thing we did was build her a shelter, obviously, so that she had somewhere to get out of the weather. But I didn't even have a milking stand, okay? It did not have a stanchion. Um, so Joe had to build me a stanchion to milk her in. And he just went on Pinterest and found like designs. And you know, you know, Joe just built a milk stand that was absolutely amazing. It was this wooden milk stand that Gracie would get up into. We would lock her head in. She had the manger where we could give her grain or alfalfa while we milked her. And it was beautiful. It was a beautiful milk stand. But we didn't have a milking barn or um, a, a milk house yet. So when I was milking Gracie, if there was if it was raining or if it was snowing or whatever the weather was, I didn't have, have any shelter from the elements while I was milking her. And so Joe would come out with like one of those party canopies that the like little pop-up tents, you know, <laughs> and he would put it over the milk stanchion and me and I would milk Gracie outside in the rain in a pop-up like party tent. That's what I did for like, I don't know, like the first month or two that we had Gracie. We didn't have a milk barn yet. We eventually built a really amazing milk barn. Um, if you guys go to my YouTube channel, some of my very first videos I ever did, if you scroll all the way down, um, don't judge some of my first videos, I look back and I'm like, wow, I didn't know how to edit very good. I didn't know how to do this and that with music. It's kind of funny, I'm like, whoa, but I don't delete them because you gotta start somewhere, right? But if you go back to some of those original videos, you can see the milk barn that we built for Gracie and her milk stanchion, which was pretty cool if I don't say so myself. Joe did an amazing job. So when I got Gracie, she was already in milk, so there was no, uh, not milking her and then kind of easing my way into learning how to milk a cow. It was like, you have to milk that cow every day if she's in milk or she will get mastitis, which is an infection that they can get in their teats and udder, right? Um, so I went out there and I tried milking her. She was kicky. She didn't like it. I had bought a milking machine, a $600 milking machine. Um, I tried doing the hand milking with the bucket for a while, and it's funny. I don't know. I guess everybody has their own opinion about this. You guys see like these, you know, cute little Instagram videos, and they're out there with their milk bucket, and they're milking their cow, and it looks really fun, and you fantasize about being a farmer. But for me, that fun part, that honeymoon stage, lasted for like a month and then I was over it uh, mainly because Gracie was very kicky she was not a seasoned milk cow she didn't know I get up in that stand I get milked out I get some you know grain or some alfalfa and then I'm let out she did not like being in that milk stand at all so the whole evolution of milking Gracie every morning wasn't that quick 20 minute sweet little scene you know that you might see on Instagram from some of these homesteaders it was her kicking me, it was her shifting, it was her knocking the milk over, like it was It was just drama every morning. So I bought a milk machine 
because I had seen great reviews about this milk machine. Milk out the cow in 15 minutes. Your hands don't hurt because the machine does it for you, yada, yada, right? So I buy this milk machine. The problem with this milk machine is it gets attached to all four teats at the same time, and then you turn the machine on and it milks her out. But the problem was with this particular machine is it was really loud when it kicked on. I mean, it was like, you know, like this loud noise and Gracie would freak out every time that milker was on her. So we tried different contraptions to get her to stop kicking. They have these devices that you can put on the cow's hips. Um, all kinds of different ideas, you guys. I was desperate. I was Googling like how to work with the kicky cow, how to get a cow to stop kicking. One day I was on YouTube and I was trying to search, you know, how to tame a kicky cow. And I came across this little old lady that lived in a different country. It was like New Zealand or Germany or something, I don't know. And I just love her little channel. She's got this milk cow and she was talking about how that cow was kicky and she'd have to fight with that cow every morning to milk it. And, and then she did a video on how she fixed the problem, how she trained that cow to stand still while she milked it. And you guys, all the contraptions we bought, all the things we did to try to train Gracie to not kick, all this little old lady used was a rope. She used a rope every time she went out to milk the cow and she would tie the rope around the cow's ankle, one of the back ankles, and then she would pull that leg and cinch that rope around a pole and tie it off. So you might think, and I've actually had somebody make a couple comments, um, not a couple, it was only one person, like you always get one, right? Um, my video on how to train a milk sheep. Uh, I did the same thing with my sheep when I started milking Delilah. And I trained her by tying her ankle back. And someone was like, you're so cruel. You should be turned in. That's so mean. Oh my gosh, you're hurting that animal. So let me clarify. You don't cinch this rope down to the point where you're cutting the circulation off of the cow's ankle, right? You just cinch it down tight enough that they can't pull their ankle out of it and then you tie it around a post or like the post of your milk stand or whatever is closest to you. Now when the cow cannot lift both of those back legs it forces them to stand still because now they only have one leg that they can have the freedom to move around on. So it forces them to stand still and also keeps that leg open and pulled back to where you have easy access to the udder. Because a lot of times what Gracie would do, if you could imagine the back legs of a cow, when I would go into her flank to reach under her udder to milk her, she would move that leg forward, right? Blocking me, kind of crisscrossing to where I couldn't get into her udder. She was really a stinker. So I'm watching this YouTube video of this little old lady, like in New Zealand or something, and all she did was tie her cow's leg back and milk the cow. She did this for, I don't know, a couple months or so until the cow finally got it through her head. Hey, I have to stand still while I'm being milked. There's nothing I can do about it. So here I am, I'm stubborn as can be, you guys. Sometimes uh, it's a flaw, okay? I do not give up on things easily. And I, I had a couple people, I was still working full time too, and I had a couple people that were like, you should just sell her. Like, obviously it's not gonna work out, just sell her and get a different cow. And I'm like, no. First of all, I've, I'd already fallen in love with her. I had already worked with her for so long. 
I'm like, there's gotta be a way to break her. I'm not selling this cow. So I watched this video and I'm like, okay, I, I can do this. So I grab like a lead that we had bought from Tractor Supply. You know, we would put it on Gracie's halter and lead her around the property or whatever. And on one end of the lead was a clip, like a dog leash. And then on the other, went, other end was a loop, right? That you hold with your hand. And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna take her back right leg next time I get her in the milk stand. You know, it wasn't hard to get her in the milk stand because she knew she had grain or alfalfa in her manger, which was a treat to her. So she had no issue getting up in the milk stand and letting us lock her head in. It was just her whole back end was kicking and shifting and making milking impossible. So I go out and I'm trying to put this rope, let's just call it a rope, around Gracie's ankle and she is not having it. I mean, she went into her kickiness like she did every morning, like get out of here. So I am legitimately putting my life on the line, putting my face and my hands and my upper body down there by her back legs, trying to get this rope around her. And she's kicking and I'm finally, y'all, I get this rope around her and I put it through the loop and I cinch it down. I haven't tied it off to the post of the milk stand yet, right? I've just managed to get it around her ankle and she is having a fit. She can't do anything because her head is locked into the, the milk stand, but she is kicking, she is shifting, and I'm holding on to the end of that rope for dear life, just hanging on for the ride, right? And finally, I yank her leg into that uh, post that I was gonna tie her off to. I wrap it around. Now, the post is taking on most of the burden there, right, with her kicking. I cinch it down, I put a loop through it, and I tie it off. I've got mud on me. My hands are hurting from, you know, holding onto that lead while she's kicking me and pulling and trying to get out of it. And I just stood there for a minute, you guys, and I looked at her and I was like, I did it. <laughs> I did it. She can't move. Her head's locked in. Her One of her legs is locked in, so she knows that she cannot shift. She cannot kick me with that leg, right? And I'm, I'm on the right side of her body to milk. So I don't care if she wants to kick with that left leg because I'm not on that side. I'm on the right side. But she wouldn't try to kick with the left leg because it makes the cow feel unstable because they can't move. You know, in this instance, it was the right leg, right? They can't move it. So they're not going to try to kick with the left one. They're afraid they're going to fall. I say all that to say, you guys, it worked. It worked like a charm. I started milking her. Now, at this point, we had gotten rid of the loud milker. That thing was just big and bulky, not working. Gracie hated it. We sold it on Craigslist or something, and I bought a new milker from um, easymilker.com. And I would highly, or is it easy? Utterly easy, I think is what it's called, right? Utter cow, utter, utterly easy, get it? So. This was an American company that made this milker. It was much smaller, it was much quieter, way easier to use, and I bought that milker. So you guys, as soon as I tied Gracie's leg back, of course she still tried to kick a few times and finally just gave in and realized, wow, I can't, I can't move my leg. And I milked that cow out. I milked that cow out in about 15, 20 minutes with no issues, she couldn't do anything, cleaned her udder, took her leg out of the rope, let her out of the milk stand, and I tell you what, Joe came home from work that day and I was elated. I'm like, I did it, I milked Gracie, I milked, look at all this milk, I had jars of fresh milk, you know, and, and I didn't get kicked in the process, I made it. So 
what I did every day from there on out for quite a while, I don't remember how long I did it, I would tie Gracie's leg back. Um, actually, I think I did it from there on out. Not so much for the kicking anymore because, you know, after about a month maybe of doing that, Gracie learned that she could not kick anymore. So for me, it was very helpful to just tie that one leg back so that I had easy access to the udder and didn't have to worry about her moving her legs back and forth and stuff. But I, I definitely believe that if I took that rope off of her, she wouldn't have tried to kick me anymore. She just, she, they're very routine oriented. Cows are very routine oriented. So she learned at that point, I, I can't kick. I've got to stand here and get milked out. So that was such a challenge, but such an accomplishment. Once I finally got through uh, that stage with Gracie and from there on out, I was milking her every, every single day. Well, then she had, um, well, she was pregnant, right? She had her first calf. And when you have a dairy animal, you want to make sure that two to three months before they calf or before they, you know, lamb, if you've got sheep or kid, if you've got goats, that you give them a break from milking prior to them having that calf. You know, they're producing milk all year long. They are pregnant. I mean, it's just like giving them that break is needed for the animal uh, before they calf. So two to three months before Gracie had that first calf, we stopped milking her and I was so excited and looking forward to that break you guys because I had been milking Gracie every day since we got her and it was probably four or five months after we got her that she had her first calf and I started to think man this milking a cow every day it is a really big responsibility um, that sometimes feels like a burden right and the biggest thing was Gracie was giving us anywhere from a gallon and a half to two gallons of milk every day. Well, we had a small family of four when Lexi was still living at home and Lexi didn't drink a lot of milk. So it was really only me, Joe and Parker that were drinking Gracie's milk. And you guys, I was doing all the things. I, I make my own yogurt. If you go to the YouTube channel, um, my playlist, in the kitchen with Tina. I have yogurt recipes, some cheese recipes. Um, what else did I make with uh, butter? Oh my goodness, we had so much amazing butter. And so I was doing all the things with all this milk and I still couldn't go through it fast enough. We were even giving some of it to our pigs because we were trying to raise pigs up for butchering. And um, I figured, well, it's not all going to waste. If it's going to the pigs, we're gonna eat the pigs. It's like the cycle, right? Um, we still couldn't use it all. So we had friends, we had neighbors that we shared the milk with, and I just started feeling really overwhelmed. And I told Joe, I'm like, I am milking this cow every day, coming in, filtering the milk, getting it in the fridge. I mean, the whole evolution from the time I would get, you know, my boots on and get my milking basket that had my, my rags and my udder balm and all the stuff I would use, uh, to the time I came back in and got done processing the milk, it was probably an hour, I would say. 45 minutes to an hour, you know, and just having so much milk and not needing all that milk, I started to feel really overwhelmed. Like, what did I get myself into? So when we had her first calf, we named him Titus and the, our plan was to have a milk cow and every calf that she had, we were going to raise that calf up for meat to butcher it. But you have to raise that calf for at least 18 to 24 months. Now, everybody has a different opinion on this. Some people like to butcher them younger. Some people like to wait and let them grow up older. 
But if you look online, it's anywhere from 18 to 24 months that you typically butcher uh, the cow for beef. So that was our plan, was to butcher her calves for meat. So now we had fresh milk and we also had a freezer full of beef. But the problem was when she had Titus, I, I didn't know any better. I immediately had to start milking her, right? Because even though um, she had Titus, she was just producing a ton of milk, especially the first two weeks after she had him, while well, Gracie developed mastitis. And I called the farmer that we got her from, and he's like, go down to Tractor Supply, they've got this medicine, you put it up in her teat, you know, yada yada. So she got mad at mastitis. That was, that was a little nerve wracking. I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I doing wrong? And you guys, it wasn't me. I was very um, sanitary, very clean. I always cleaned her udder really well, always milked her out all the way, did all the things, but sometimes it just happens and it's really no fault of your own. Well, all of a sudden I started noticing that Gracie would allow Titus to nurse on her and I mean, you could see that calf just frothing at the mouth with delicious milk from his mama, right? And he would drink that. That udder would be so full and hard. And by the time he got done with it, it was just these, you know, saggy little, saggy little udder. Like you could tell he milked her out. But when I would put her in the milk stand and go to milk her in the mornings, she would let down a little bit and then it would stop. It would literally stop. The milk flow would stop. I called the vet, talked to our farm vet, and I'm like, I don't know what's going on. She's not letting her milk down. It's like it's like she knows that I'm not Titus. She's letting it down for Titus, but then when I go to milk her, she she stops. And the vet basically told me I was crazy. He's like, that's they don't do that. They don't know how to do that. They don't know how to turn off their milk for you know a cow or a person. Like that's there's there's something else going on there. And I'm like, dude, uh, I'm with this cow every day, and I'm telling you, when her calf is on her. He cleans her out. But when I put her in the milk stand, she does not let her milk down for me. And then I could let her out of the milk stand. And five minutes later, that calf has done sucked her out. Like, no joke. He still told me, nope, that's not possible. They don't do that. I'm like, okay. So I call the farmer that we got her from because he was a really nice guy. And he's like, if you ever have questions, you can call me. So I did. His name was Micah. He was a really nice guy. Um, he's actually a Mennonite family. And they had this adorable homestead here in Virginia. But I told him what was going on with Titus and how she wouldn't let down for me, but she would for Titus. And he's like, you need to take the calf away from her. He said, when I have calves here on my homestead, he's like, they don't get to stay with the mom. We take the calf away from the mom and we bottle feed the calf twice a day, the mother's milk. But that's because he was running a business. He needed all the milk to uh, for his business, right? And he's like, you need to take the calf away from her. And here I am kind of have this uh, motherly instinct, like, I'm like, I don't want to take her baby from her. That's terrible. That's so mean, right? And I'm like, is there anything else I can do? And he's like, no. He's like, you need to take the calf from her and just bottle feed the calf twice a day. Well, without knowing any better, I listen, I listened to Micah, separated Titus from Gracie, so they were in different pastures. They could see each other through the fence. They could smell each other, hear each other. He just wasn't allowed to be with her uh, because he would drink her milk and then we wouldn't have any milk for our family. And we, of course, would milk out enough milk for Titus. We uh, bottle fed him twice a day. And again, that's something that sounds fun and beautiful. You know, get to bottle feed a baby calf and it's so cute. Y'all, that is such an obligation, okay? Twice a day to have to go out there 
and, and bottle feed a calf, it is a really big responsibility. So, and of course the whole family pitched in on that. Sometimes it was like, Lexi, go out there and feed Titus. And she'd have to go stand out there with the bottle and feed him. But we were getting to milk Gracie and getting milk for our family without any issues. Now, the problem with this whole setup and the way we did this, um, Titus was healthy and fine, right? He was getting Gracie's milk. He just was getting it from a bottle. But um, we had so much milk and I was having to milk Gracie every single day without fail because I didn't have help from the calf, right? If I didn't milk Gracie, Gracie wasn't getting milked and she would get mastitis and all the things. So rain, shine, snow, sleet, it didn't matter. I had to be out there milking Gracie every single day. So that whole milking season before she had her next calf, right? I milked her every day. That was a lot, you guys. Um, I do remember I got a severe sinus infection one time, first time ever in my life. And for five days, I thought I got ran over by a semi-truck. My facial bones hurt, you guys. I literally was in bed crying. A sinus infection is real, like it's real. And Joe actually had to take leave, take time off work for three of those days just so he could go and milk Gracie because I couldn't go out there and do it. I was that sick. So it's one of those things when you have a dairy animal, it's, it's a responsibility. It's an obligation. You can't say, I want to do it this day, but I don't want to do it that day, right? Like it's just, you've got to do it for the, the health of the animal. So I started researching online and I'm like, if I'm going to have a dairy cow, there's got to be a better way. Like there's, you know, I cannot, I cannot be out there milking her every single day. Or what if I get sick on a day? Or what if we want to go out of town for the weekend and, you know, whatever. Well, I came across this idea of calf sharing and, you know, insert animal name, calf sharing, lamb sharing, kid sharing with goats. Like the idea is that at night, whatever time, and you can flip-flop this, right, if you want to, but what the way we did it was every night before we went to bed, this is with Gracie's next calf. I decided I'm doing things differently with her next calf, which she, her name was Sarah. She was actually a Jersey Angus mix. We uh, did artificial insemination with the vet and had him come out and inseminate Gracie with uh, Angus uh, cow because we were keeping calves for beef. So we wanted to try Jersey Angus mix. So her calf, her next calf was Sarah. And I knew that I didn't want to take Sarah away from her because if I took Sarah away from her and bottle fed her, then that meant I had to be responsible for milking Gracie every single day. So the idea of calf sharing is that we would go out around eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night before we went to bed and we would separate Sarah from Gracie. So we had this cow shelter that was divided with a fence in the center. So Gracie and Sarah were still sleeping essentially in the same shelter. They could hear each other, they could smell each other. In fact, they actually laid next to each other up against the fence every night. But we would separate them all night long. So all night long, Sarah could not get to Gracie's udder. She could not drink milk, she couldn't get her at all. In the morning, I would load Gracie in the milk stand I would milk out as much milk as I needed for our family from Gracie, and then I would release her and then let Sarah out to get to Gracie so that Sarah could then be with her all day and drink as much milk as she wanted to from her. So 
being that um, Gracie could see Sarah, we would let Sarah out in front of the milk stand or on the side of it while we milked her. So it was almost like when I had my baby, when I had Lexi, I tried to pump when I was still in the army. Whenever I was at work and I tried to pump, the milk would not let down. And I went to the doctor and I told them, I said, I, I am only getting out like an ounce or two when I try to pump. Like, I don't know what it is. When Lexi latches on, my milk lets down. Like mamas, you know what I'm talking about, right? You can feel the tingling. You can feel that milk let down. But whenever I try to pump with a pumper, pumper, is that a word? <laughs> whenever I tried to pump with a uh, breast pump, there we go, it wouldn't come out. It wouldn't let down. And the doctor told me, he said, take a picture of Lexi to work with you. He's like, just, just a small picture, keep it in your pocket. And whenever you go into pump during the workday, set that picture out and look at Lexi while you pump. And it's like a psychological thing. And it was the same thing for Gracie. So if Gracie could see Sarah and hear her and smell her while I was milking her in the stand, she would let that milk down for me which remember she wasn't doing that with Titus, but we didn't know any better. So having the calf near the mama where they can see their baby, it's like a psychological thing. They're not in distress thinking that their calf is in danger, right? Because the calf is gonna baa the entire time uh, or moo, whatever you wanna call it, the entire time you're milking them. So, and I did the same thing with my sheep. I would have the lambs out where Delilah could see them and then I would milk her and she was fine. She would let the milk let down. So this is what we did. We calf shared with Sarah and Gracie. So that whole next milking season was absolutely enjoyable, amazing. And the greatest thing was, you guys, if there was a day where I didn't, I just didn't want to milk Gracie, I didn't feel like going out and doing it, or it was too cold, or we went up to the mountains to rent a cabin for the weekend. Like if there was a day that I wasn't going to milk Gracie, I was allowed to do that because I could just leave Sarah in with her. We just wouldn't separate them at night. So Sarah would take care of the milking on the days that I didn't feel like milking. So it worked out in so many ways um, than just one, because like I said, we don't drink a ton of milk in our family. We have such a small family. So instead of getting 10 to 14 gallons of milk a week, which is what I was getting when I was when I had separated Gracie from her calf and had to milk her every day. Now, I only went out and milked Gracie maybe three times a week. And that would give me as much milk as I needed for the family for the week, enough cream to make my butter, like whatever it was, I, you know, projects I had in the kitchen. But I only went out and milked Gracie when our family needed milk. And the rest of the time, I would just leave Sarah in with her and Sarah would take care of the milking for me. So... It really worked out great. And I've told Joe, if we ever get another milk cow or any kind of dairy animal, I'm gonna calf share because it just makes it so much more easy and enjoyable. Now, just about the time that I felt like I had everything under control, I had gotten my rhythm and my routine down with Gracie and how I was working with the calf and her and you know all, all the things with milking a dairy animal. Uh, you guys probably know my story, our story, if you follow the YouTube channel, but we did decide to sell the farm and to downsize for a little while to a one acre homestead until Joe retires from the Coast Guard. So 
I was a little bummed. Um, I just, I was just getting in my groove thing. Like, I'm like, I got this thing down. I had figured out and gone through enough that I had so much more knowledge and wisdom on how to have a dairy animal. And now here we were selling. And you know, they say you should have about one acre or so per cow. And obviously on a one acre homestead, that one acre wasn't just in pasture. That one acre had our house on it, had a greenhouse, had our shop. Like it, it wasn't a full acre. So we couldn't take Gracie with us. So we actually sold Gracie to a really good friend of ours. Um, and it was very hard, you guys. Like you, you go out there and milk a cow every day and you sit there with your forehead in their warm flank on those cold mornings. Like you become best friends with that animal. Gracie, um, once we... Once we established who was in charge, Gracie became my best friend. She really did. I would talk to her when I milked her. I would sing to her. There was times in the summer I would be laying out in the field in my hammock that Joe put up for me, and I would let Gracie out to eat the grass um, in the other pastures and around the house and stuff if I was out there. And she would come over to the hammock and lay down right next to me. She just liked being next to me and it was the sweetest relationship ever. Um, and to watch her have the two calves that she had on her homestead and that whole process of her having her baby and how amazing they are um, with you know cleaning up after the baby and protecting the baby and it's just the most beautiful thing I ever got to witness. And so I was definitely heartbroken when we had to sell Gracie, but it just didn't make sense um, to keep her because we couldn't have her on such a you know significantly smaller property. But that didn't last long for me, right? Uh, as soon as we got settled into the one acre homestead, I started missing having a dairy animal so much. And I actually talked Joe into letting me get sheep. I'll never forget it, you guys. He comes home, because here he is thinking, we've done downsized until he retired in a couple years. Like, we weren't gonna have all the animals. We had our chickens and our garden, but that was like the extent of what we were gonna do. And here I was telling him one night, Joe, I think I wanna get a, a sheep. I wanna have another dairy animal. I knew I couldn't have a cow on this small, tiny property, but the property was just perfect for a sheep, right? So I start, I go back to Craigslist, like that's my MO, that's what I do, and I'm looking for sheep. Now, there are sheep that are considered dairy sheep, like dairy breeds, and then there are sheep that are not so much considered dairy breeds, but like a Frisian style sheep, they have bigger teats, um, they're in milk longer, they produce a little bit more milk and you know those things and then there's sheep like what we got which were Katahdin sheep that are not necessarily considered a dairy breed so they're they're uh you know in season time for milk is not as long their teats are way smaller okay so if you imagine the teats on Gracie on a cow you're talking I don't know she had let's say probably four inch teats so if you imagine putting your hand around that teat, that's very easy to milk out, right? It's, it feels good in your hand, it's just the right size. I went from that to a Katahdin sheep and their teats are maybe two inches, <laughs> two inches if, if that. So I went from being able to use my whole hand to milk to using my two fingers, my pointer finger and my thumb for the most part to milk out this sheep, but it's funny because we got Delilah, that was our Katahdin sheep, 
from Maryland. Lexi and I had to drive uh, three hours north to Maryland to get her. And she actually came from a, a farmer that had a head of like 300 sheep up there. So she was essentially wild. She was not tame at all. Um, they didn't touch them. They, they uh, bred them and sold them for meat. And so when we got Delilah, oh, you guys, it was like starting all over, but even worse because not only was she not trained how to milk and stand in a milk stanchion, she wasn't even used to people touching her. So she was almost like feral, right? She was very skittish, very scared. And I just immediately went to work. Joe built me a small milk stand, right? That was like the perfect size for a sheep. And I just started doing the same thing that I did with Gracie. I got Delilah to get into the milk stand fairly easily because you can bribe them with the grain, right? That's usually the easy part. But when I would go to uh, milk her, she was kicky. She would, and she would kick like you would not believe. She was worse than Gracie um, just because she was so skittish. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get the lead. So with Delilah, uh, because she was so kicky, I actually had to tie both of her back legs to the back posts of the milk stand. Again, not tight, right? She could move them, she just couldn't pick them up and kick me in the face or knock over the milk bucket. So I started that out with her. It took her a couple to a few weeks to understand the routine. And then before you know it, you guys, she was getting right up into that milk stand letting me milk her. Um, and then she lambed, she had two lambs and we would do the same thing, we would lamb share. So Joe built a shelter that had a divider in the middle so Delilah could still see her lambs, sleep with them, smell them, all the things throughout the night, but they would be separated. In the morning, we would let the lambs out. They were so cute. They would come over and lick me and kiss me, like, is it our turn yet? And they were just adorable. And they would sit out there and eat some grass and smell their mama's face while she was getting milked. And then as soon as I was done milking Delilah, Parker would help me get her out of the milk stand and then her lambs could go and have their breakfast from their mom. So it just worked out great. So I have been thinking about the Alaska homestead. I definitely want to do another dairy animal. I've talked you know, extensively with Joe about this and there was a part of us that was like, we're not gonna do any uh, livestock because we want to be able to go hiking, we wanna be able to go camping, hunting, on trips, we wanna explore Alaska when we get there. And if you have a ton of livestock, it is hard to do that. It is hard to leave the homestead for any extended period of time because you've got animals that need to be fed and watered and so on and so on, right? So we know we're gonna have our chickens and of course we're gonna have our garden and our greenhouse, but with us being an hour away from civilization, from grocery stores, I told Joe, I really want to be able to have my own source of milk again, my own source of dairy, because some of the things that we eat on a regular basis, like yogurt, cream cheese, uh, butter, and certain cheeses, I can make those very easily for our family. I already know how to do that, right? And I don't want to have to worry about if we run out of milk, oh man, I got to drive an hour to the nearest grocery store to get more milk. And I'm very particular, if I'm not milking my own animal, I want organic milk. I'm not just gonna drink any milk off the shelf because the way that the cows are raised and treated in the industrial uh, industries are absolutely just horrifying. It's terrible. 
Um, so I'm, you know, you get a gallon of milk from these industrial farmers and you're drinking the milk from like 500 cows. All the milk goes into one bin and then it's put into these containers. Um, if one of those cows has mastitis infection, if one of them has a uh, cut on their teeth and there's blood in the milk, like you're getting all of that stuff from multiple cows. They don't just milk from one cow and put that in a jug. So I just think that's absolutely disgusting. So I'm like being that far away from civilization to me, it makes sense to have my own dairy animal again, especially because I know how to do it the right way now with the calf sharing that we can have a cow on the homestead and I can go out and milk her throughout the week when we need milk. And then the rest of the time I can just leave her calf in with her um, to, to milk her every day if there's a time that we're gonna be gone for a few days hunting or hiking or whatever it is. So, you know, I'm gonna have to do some research and there is a lot of homesteaders in Alaska. A lot of people have cows. A lot of people have the livestock. So I just need to do some research and see what kind of cows are up there and are available. I really would prefer to have another Jersey. I love the Jersey breed. So hopefully um, we can find something when we get up there. But, you know, Joe's, Joe's agreed to let me have another dairy animal. <laughs> he doesn't usually put up too much of a fight and he knows that it makes me happy. So that's what I've decided. Um, I thought about getting another dairy sheep or another sheep when we got up there. But the problem is if I had to choose between the two, the milk, in my opinion, from the sheep was better tasting than the cow's milk. It was uh, sweeter. The sheep milk has a higher fat content, which is better when you're looking at making butter and yogurt and things like that. Um, you could take two gallons of cow's milk, pour it in a pot to make mozzarella cheese, right? And you end up with maybe like two or three small balls of mozzarella cheese and then a whole pot of whey which is like the byproduct of that um whereas if you use sheep milk to make cheese you're going to get more product from that milk because the fat content is higher so as far as the milk goes i i would say i like sheep milk better than i like cow milk however i was getting about a quart no, I wasn't. I was getting a pint of milk a day from Delilah, our sheep. For our family, that's that's fine, right? It's just me, Joe, and Parker um, since Lexi's moved out. So a pint a day, that's like the perfect amount of milk for our little family. But it was taking me the same amount of time to milk Delilah, like the whole evolution, and get a pint of milk a day versus milking Gracie and getting a gallon and a half each milking. So, and the other thing was the size of the teats. Um, you know, it, it's, it's just like, there's no comparison. A cow teat is much bigger than a sheep teat, especially when it's a sheep that is not specifically a dairy breed. So I'm like, you know, I don't know. It makes me think of like meet the Fockers, remember? Like milking the cat. <laughs> That's kind of what I think of when I think of milking our uh, Katahdin sheep. The milk was amazing. It was great. It was just a lot more work and harder on your hands to get that milk than from a cow. So, and now that I know how to calf share and know that I don't have to milk the cow every single day, like if we have a, a very cold winter day that's, you know, minus 20, I probably don't want to go out and milk in that. Well, if the calf is left in with the cow, I don't have to worry about milking her. So yeah, that's the plan. We'll see how it goes. I don't know.
we've got so many things to do when we get to the Alaska cabin. Um, the first priority I think is going to be the greenhouse. I need to get that built as soon as possible because in Alaska where we're going, we have three to four months of a growing season and I need to be able to extend that growing season so that I can put up enough food for our family for the winter months, right? So the greenhouse I think is our first priority. Um, we've already got my grandpa's cabin going up. We've got a contractor working on that. Super excited because he doesn't know that we're building that right now. He thinks when we get to Alaska, he has to go into a rental until Joe and I build his cabin. But little does he know that cabin is already being built. So, so the greenhouse has got to go up fairly quick. And then, of course, the chicken coop. That's probably one of the first things we'll do because a chicken coop is super easy. But I would like to have my fresh eggs on the homestead right away. That's a great source of protein. And then next would be building some kind of pasture, fencing, and some type of barn and a milk stand because I'm going to start looking for a cow. And as far as feeding them, you know, we have 15 acres in Alaska. We have a lot of uh, grass and everything that she can munch on in the spring and summer months. But we will have to buy hay and alfalfa from a source in Alaska because we have a very long winter up there and we don't plan on growing and uh, farming our own hay. So that's really no big deal. There's a lot of people with livestock in Alaska, so there's sources for hay, but that's how we'll have to feed her through the winter. So yeah. Anyway, I thought it would be fun to just chat with you guys about dairy animals and my experience with dairy animals. You know, it started when I was young with our goat, and then I got Gracie, first experience with the cow, and then I got Delilah, which was our sheep on our one-acre homestead. So I definitely think it's a big responsibility. It's something that you should really just take some time to research um, your property. If it's, you know, what, what animal would fit well on your property, what's big enough, what's not big enough, what kind of dairy animal you wanna have, if you wanna have a milker, a milking machine, or if you're just gonna use your hands. There are a lot of things to take into consideration when it comes to having a dairy animal, but I'm a dreamer, you guys, and I love just jumping and doing something uh, and seeing if it's something that I like versus wondering if I could have done it or wondering if it's something that would have been good for our family. I've just always had the motto, like you guys have heard me say on the YouTube channel, like you don't know what you want to do until you find out what you don't want to do. And the only way to find that out is by doing it, right? So I'm an advocate for having a dairy animal. I am, I am right here to tell you that if it's been on your mind, on your heart, to someday have a dairy animal, I would pursue that dream. Just make sure that you research and decide exactly what's going to work best for your family. And I think that it's a, a great asset to have on the homestead. If you guys are not following me yet on social media, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, Blessed and Beautiful Homestead. You can find me there. I post daily, you know, what we're doing in our life, homeschooling, Parker, all the things. And then also on our YouTube channel, we post videos there every week, Blessed and Beautiful Homestead. You can find us over there and subscribe. That would be awesome. We would love to have you as a part of our YouTube community. And if you guys don't mind, I would like to ask a favor. Can you go to Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to your podcast and just rate this podcast for me? Just hit the stars. You can write a review if you want to. 
I read every single one that is written, but you don't have to write something. If you could just tap the stars and leave a review for the podcast, I would be so grateful because it's going to help get the word out and get the algorithm uh, to get the word out about the podcast. So I'd really appreciate that. Thanks for joining me today, you guys. Stay blessed and I will see you on the next show.